Welcome to the preaching podcast of Poplar Springs Baptist Church in Hiram, Georgia, and the preaching ministry of our senior pastor, Wayne Meadows. It is our desire that the message you hear today would call you to a closer walk with Jesus Christ, and that your life would give glory to God as you apply the biblical truths proclaimed. For more information about the ministry of Poplar Springs Baptist Church, check us out on the web, www.psbchurch.net. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the preaching of God's Word. If you've got a Bible with you this evening, let me encourage you to open it to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Continuing in our series that we've titled Liar, Liar, looking at the lies of Satan about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We started off by reminding ourselves that Satan is the father of lies and has been since the very beginning. We looked in Genesis chapter 3 at the very first lie that he told to our parents, uh, Adam and Eve, and how they succumbed to that and how that ultimately distorted everything about the world that we live in. But Satan has not stopped spinning lies. Uh, instead, he has become even more crafty and subtle at the, uh, the lies that he would put forth. Sweet whispers uh, in our ears is how Jared Wilson described them. Uh, we looked at uh, the lie, uh, do what makes you happy or God wants you to be happy. Uh, we looked last week at the lie uh, that you only live once. Uh, so in essence, live for this moment. Live to get all that you can get now. And uh, the fallacy of that is that uh, you only get one life, but you're going to live forever. You better think about eternity and what, what awaits the moment uh, after you draw your last breath here. Uh, but tonight, we're looking at perhaps the most prominent and pervasive lie of Satan. Uh, it's a lie that stems from his very essence as the father of lies. Uh, it's a lie that comes from his disdain for truth. And it's a lie that has permeated nearly every aspect of our culture and even the church. It's simple, it is succinct, and it is seemingly profound. There's so many that have bought into it because it seems uh, so wise and insightful. The lie of Satan that I want us to think about tonight is live your truth. Live your your truth. Maybe you've heard it expressed as speak your truth. One in the same. Live your truth is the gospel according to Oprah and so many others. Bound in this lie of Satan is the idea that you and I, we as individuals, that we are truth makers. But nothing could be further from the truth. For many today, there is no truth, only your truth. That is, there is no absolute. Uh, what's known as relativism rules the day. It only matters if it's true for me. It's only relative to me. And uh, man, we are seeing this play out in front of our eyes each and every day. Uh, the idea of relativism 
that what's true for me is not necessarily true for you or what's true for you is not necessarily true for me. It's relative. Truth is relative. Uh, began to, to crop up and creep into our culture several decades ago as America uh, shifted into a post-Christian society. And uh, we are now beginning to see uh, the fruit of that idea ripening on the tree. This is why reality is seemingly warped by so many today. Have you realized that, that reality is warped in our culture today? This, have you heard the phrase recently? It's come about uh, probably in the last couple of years, uh, gaslighting. You've heard that, gaslighting. It's not merely throwing fuel on a fire. It may tend uh, to want to take you in that direction. You're gaslighting, throwing fuel on a fire, and just causing uh, more of an uproar, more combustion to an already flammable situation. But that's not what it's getting at. Gaslighting is somebody who is misconstruing reality. It's somebody who is taking what you have plainly and obviously seen and then leading you to question the reality that is before your eyes. Leading you to question uh, the truth that has been exposed. Well, that happens when relativism rules the day. Reality is warped. It's why the obvious is so easily dismissed. And I think we're in that, aren't we? I mean, we live in a culture today where things are clear as day before our eyes, but yet what is said about those things is a complete contradiction. How did we get there? Why is that? Well, in part, and a big part perhaps, is the lie of Satan. Just live your truth. The idea that we are truth makers, regardless of what true truth is or reality is, Live your truth. Well, what we discover is when there is no true truth, when there is no real truth, and there's only your truth, society is fragmented into islands of individuals setting up their own kingdoms. We all become our own little truth makers, living in our own kingdoms. And the results is that moral and relational chaos uh, ensues because everybody is living their truth. Moral and relational chaos ensue as the natural result of everybody living their truth. We see this playing out daily. We see it playing out in the agendas that are uh, godless and anti-truth. We see it playing out in the political arena. We see it playing out uh, in in school board meetings. It's all around us. I just want to live my truth. Well, this is exactly what Satan wants. And it's why he spins the lie that so many have bought into. Live your truth. Live your truth. But like the other lies that we've looked at, I think we've got to ask the question, why do we buy this lie? Why do we buy this lie? Why do we take the bait of Satan that we need to live your truth? This is what Eve succumbed to there in the garden when uh, Satan presented to her this one tree, this one fruit of which she was forbidden to eat from. Why did she take that? 
because she thought something better was on the other side. And as we hear the lie of Satan, what we believe is that our truth is better than any other truth. But that's not the truth at all. So why do we buy this lie? Well, let me give you four reasons. Number one, we buy the lie of living your truth because many times the real truth hurts. We buy the lie of living your truth or my truth because the real truth hurts. I would remind us tonight that the gospel of Jesus Christ is offensive. It is offensive to a sinner. It is offensive to one who has transgressed a holy God. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ tells us that by our very nature, we are sinners condemned to judgment and deserving of God's holy wrath being poured out against us. The gospel tells us tonight that you are not good and I am not good. The gospel tells us tonight that those sweet little toddlers that climb up to our laps and look so innocent, in fact, have hearts that are as dark as 10,000 midnights. And that hurts us, doesn't it? We generally want to think that by and large, we are good people. Newsflash, you're not. I'm not. We are not good. And it's amazing to me that even within the church, we struggle with this. We struggle with this. But yet, Scripture is clear. Paul is clear, isn't he, in the book of Romans. There is none good. No, not one. Not one of us are good. Paul condemns both Jew and Gentile, those who received the law and those who had the law in their hearts. Paul says all of mankind is guilty before God as sinners. But sinners don't like that. The truth hurts. The real truth hurts. And because the real truth hurts, it's much easier and more appealing for us to live our truth, to think that we are okay, to think that we are uh, uh, fine and that there's nothing wrong with us. And so that's why the sweet whisper of Satan to live your truth appeals to so many. The truth hurts. But also we buy into the lie, live your truth, because the truth is harsh. It's harsh. And of course, that's connected to the truth hurting, but it's harsh because it comes across sometimes so clearly. So clearly. You know, so many people look into the Bible, and uh, if we're just being honest tonight, you know what? There's, there's a lot of things in the Bible that we may have to wrestle with sometimes, right? And there's some, some difficult chapters and there's some deep water that sometimes, man, you really got to swim in and wade in and work through to, uh, to arrive at the meaning and the application of that into your life. But by and large, all the Bible's pretty clear. And it's not so much the parts that we don't understand that trouble us, it's the parts that we do understand that trouble us. And for a lot of people, that comes across as harsh. The truth it's harsh because it hurts. And so rather than saying something that is harsh or receiving something that is harsh, just let me live my truth. And it's amazing how much easier it is. 
No one likes to sit down in the doctor's office and hear him say it's cancer and it's terminal. Or it's cancer and it doesn't look good. That's a hard, harsh truth. We would much rather ignore that and perhaps receive something that is much easier, much more palatable. And thus the lie of Satan, just live your truth. Do it your way. The truth hurts. The truth is harsh. Uh, Connected to that as well. The truth is hard. It's hard. Hard in this sense. That we can't do it ourselves. Hard in the sense that there was a rich man, a rich young ruler who came to Jesus one day and wanted to know what I have to do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus walked him through it and the Bible says he walked away sad because he had great possessions, many possessions. Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter into heaven. The truth is hard. I think we've so watered down the Christian life and the Christian faith in the American context uh, that we forget sometimes it's not easy to be a believer. We've forgotten to tell people you better count the cost before you come to Christ. Jesus said if you're going to follow after him, what do you have to do? Pick up a cross and die to yourself daily. That's not easy. But you want to tell you what is easy? Live your truth. Do what makes you happy. Do what you think feels good. Truth is hard. And then lastly, we buy into this lie of living your truth because the true truth, the real truth, is heavenly. It's heavenly. And innate with our sinful nature is this idea that we want to be God. We want to be our own sovereign. We want to be our own ruler. Therefore, we reject the true truth that comes down from above. We reject God as the source of all truth. We reject Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life. We we instead want to buy into our truth, my truth. So that's why this lie of Satan is so appealing to so many. True truth hurts, it's harsh, it's hard, it's heavenly. Man, those are all things that our flesh wants to reject and not face. So as we think about this lie, I want us to look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to start reading in verse 25, and I'm going to read in uh, a couple of verses into chapter 3. And then I'm going to jump over to chapter 4 and read just a few verses there. It would just remind you of the context again. Paul is writing to Timothy, whom he has left... To give leadership and direction to the believers in the church at Ephesus. And here are some of his last words to this this young pastor, this young protege in the faith. Look at what he says, 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 24. 
And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Chapter 3. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Jonez and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. Now go to chapter 4, verse 3. 2 Timothy 4, 3. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. May the Lord bless for us tonight the reading and the teaching of his word. Did you catch how many times Paul brings truth to the surface in this letter to Timothy? Just in these few verses that we've looked at. Truth is a vital part of Christian ministry. And as Paul is expounding upon that to Timothy, we learn some important things about this lie of Satan, of living your truth. Two things that I would bring out of this for us tonight. First of all, what we hear in these words of Paul is that real truth exists. Real truth exists. Paul says and. 2 Timothy 2, the end of verse 25, leading to a knowledge of the truth. Leading to the knowledge of the truth. He comes back to that again in chapter 3, verse 7. Never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. And then he brings it back again in chapter 4. This time in verse 4. They will turn away from listening to the truth. Paul here makes it clear for us that real truth does exist. What we need to remind ourselves of tonight is that the truth is there is no your truth and my truth. There is only the truth. The truth. Paul said it in chapter 2, in chapter 3, and in chapter 4. Real truth exists tonight. And that changes absolutely everything. 
There is objective reality before us. But yet so many in our culture now today don't want to believe that. Polls conducted recently have shown that um, only 20% of Americans, this is astounding to me, only 20% of Americans now believe in absolute truth. Only 20% of Americans now believe in absolute truth. And we wonder why we're in the shape that we're in. By absolute truth, what we mean is that real truth is there. Objective truth is there. Good and evil are realities before us. A poll conducted uh, several years ago now uh, showed that 73, 73% of American college seniors reported that in their university classes, professors taught that there is no such thing as right and wrong in the literal sense and that good and evil are addressed in terms of, here it is, individual values and cultural diversity. Your truth, my truth. Absolutely, absolutely. But what Paul tells us in our text tonight is that real truth exists and it exists in God. He is the God of all truth. He is a God who is true and cannot lie. His word is true. His ways are true. His son is the truth. I'm not sure who penned it, but the words are certainly powerful. The Bible is the word of truth, and it majors on the theme of truth. God is the God of truth who abounds in truth and always speaks truth. Christ is the truth, is full of truth, revealed the truth, spoke the truth, and testified to the truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. God's truth is eternal, infinite, and saving. Salvation comes from faith in the truth. Believers are sanctified by the truth, love the truth, and are set free by the truth, worship in truth, rejoice in truth, speak the truth, meditate on the truth, manifest the truth, obey the truth, are guided by the truth, and walk in the truth. Truth exists. And the reality is tonight is that it's not your truth or my truth, but God's truth. We must live by God's truth. Real truth exists. But there's a second thing we need to see in Paul's words tonight. Not only that real truth exists, thus debunking the lie of Satan to live your truth, because your truth is no truth at all. But secondly, Paul tells us that should we buy that lie, is that your truth ensnares. Your truth ensnares. Paul tells us this in each of those chapters. In chapter 2, as he addresses the idea of truth, he's speaking to Timothy about those who will oppose him and his ministry, his opponents, and how he is to interact with them and address them. And Paul says, go about it in this particular way that perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So this is the heart of the lie. 
that if Satan can get you to deny the reality of true truth, God's truth, and a God who is true, and instead live by your truth and my truth, then he's got you in his snare. Paul said these, these combatants to the gospel, these who are opposing the gospel, these opponents of Timothy, he said they are in the snare of the devil. And, and the reason they're in that snare is because they don't have a knowledge of the truth. They've rejected the truth of God. And it's ensnared them. And when we become ensnared because we reject the reality of true truth and live by our truth, there's two things that are going to happen. Number one, your mind is going to be darkened. Your mind is going to be darkened. In chapter 2, verse 26, Paul describes these opponents of Timothy as needing to come to their senses. Boy, could we say that about some people. They need to come to their senses. When we come to chapter 3, what we discover is that these and these latter days of great difficulty that we can expect to come upon the surface is that they're always learning but never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. They oppose the truth. They're corrupted in mind. This is really the battlefield of Satan. And one of his tactics is to get us to deny the reality of truth in God and to live according to our own truth. It darkens our minds. And here's how it does. And I think this is so important. So important what Paul says there in 2 Timothy 3 is that the darkening of our minds is not an intellectual darkness, but a foolishness. It's not a a, a, a diminishing of intellect, but it's the presence of foolishness in the heart, in the mind. Paul said in, in chapter 3 that they're always learning. People are learning more today than they have ever learned. Ever learned. We have more information and knowledge and accessibility than we have ever had at any other point in human history. And we've got it in our pockets tonight, don't we? It's everywhere we go, whenever we want it. We can learn about absolutely anything. How many of you would have killed to have had Google when you were going through school? Man, how simple it would have been. It's at our fingertips. We're learning more than we have ever learned. There are more schools and institutions and universities and degree programs and certificates and books than we've ever had before. But as Paul said, we're not getting any closer to the knowledge of the truth. So don't equate truth to intellect. What Paul is saying here is that these people are growing in their intellect, but their hearts remain darkened. Their minds remain darkened because in their foolishness, they are saying in their hearts, there is no God. This is what Psalmist said in Psalm 14. The fool says in his heart, there's no God. He doesn't exist. There's no reality of him. And as a result, they're living their own truth. So it darkens our minds. And then the result of that is that ultimately it damns our souls. When you live your truth, your soul will one day face judgment. Paul says this about those who come in the latter days, similar to Janus and Jambres who opposed Moses. 
He mentions it again in chapter 4 as those who turn away from listening to the truth and they wander off into myths. They don't want the truth. They want their truth. If you buy that lie from Satan and I to understand your mind is darkened and your soul will one day be damned. There is truth. God is truth. So what do we do with true truth? Let me give you just four actions tonight for believers. Just simple. We need to be people who love the truth. We need to be people who love the truth. That means we need to love God. We need to love God's word. We need to love Christ. Secondly, we need to live the truth. Third, guard the truth. Guard the truth. The proverb tells us to buy the truth and sell it not. The most valuable commodity, most valuable treasure in the world today is truth. So as we get truth and find truth and know more truth of God, hold on to that truth. It's precious. And then fourth, share the truth. Share the truth. And certainly that means tell the truth. Certainly that means be honest, of course. Don't bear false witness is one of the commands that God has given. But it means more. Share the truth means share the true truth, the real truth, the truth of God, his gospel, his son, his word. Share the truth that is God alone. It's the only hope for a world that's snared by sin. This is what Paul told Timothy. He said, you preach the word in season, out of season. Patiently endure evil. And perhaps God will grant them repentance and bring them to a knowledge of truth. But don't buy the lie of Satan tonight. Just live your truth. Because that's no truth at all. Let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight thankful that you are a God of truth. A God that does not change. A God that cannot lie. And Father, we desire to be people of truth, living our lives in accordance to your word and your ways, seeking your will above our own. Father, let us not believe the lie of Satan. Let us not do that which is right in our own eyes. Let us not believe our truth. But let us believe your truth. And Father, I pray for the many tonight that are bound and snared in this lie. Believing that their way is the way. When the only way is Jesus. Father, I pray that we would patiently endure the chaos, the evil that results 
God, that we would be found faithful and bold and courageous to love you, to live for you, and to hold you forth as the hope of salvation. And Father, as your word goes out, Lord, may you grant repentance to many, bringing them to a knowledge of truth, delivering them from the snare of Satan. And Father, for these who are before me tonight, God, I pray that you would be with them as they go. Help them to go in your truth. And Father, may you bless them and keep them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.